Yeah, here. We're fine. What's up, Jeff? Hey, hey. What's up, Luke? What's up? Happy New Year's Eve. Happy yeah. New Year's Eve. This Goodbye is our New Year's Eve. Goodbye, 2020. Good riddance, I think. You son of a bitch. Are in order. Fucking 2020 sucked. But 2021, you know, the series finale. We'll see how it plays out. <laughs> I'm banking on aliens. I mean, that's just me. I'm banking on aliens. I think Isn't it the, it's the age of Aquarius, man? It's going to be great. Is it really? Is that the whole? That's the whole thing about the age of Aquarius. I, I, I the only thing that I saw was Joe Rogan posted a thing from the New York Post that said like the one. Michael, they have on UFOs. Yeah, you just cut out real quick. Oh, I did. Shit. Yeah. What I'm saying. What I was saying was was I saw a thing that said yeah, that, that, yeah. it got passed in the uh, the the stimulus. Oh, the uh, countdown to the aliens. Yeah. The 180 day countdown to the to the information release from the Pentagon about aliens. Yeah, we'll see about that. Are the, are the aliens going to give me a two thousand dollar check? I mean, <laughs> at this point, it seems like they'd probably be nicer. I'm just just take me away. I'm just saying. Hey, you know what, Jeff? A wise man once said, uh, "The best things in life are free." <laughs> you can give it to the birds and the bees, man. <laughs> well, my money. Um. It's my but yeah. It's like yeah. it's like the 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 way that stars are positioned. The last time it was like this, or the planets, I should say. The last time it was like this was the beginning of the Renaissance, supposedly. Oh, oh, really? What was up with all that bullshit in the sixties when they were like, "This is the dawning." That was of the... Luke. That's not bullshit. It's called drugs. Okay. Were they just so high they thought it was the dawning of us? <laughs> oh well, I guess it was the dawning of the age. Oh, of oh I suppose. I maybe... it was. Maybe. Yeah. Well, here we are. The water bearer, the age of the water bearer, Aquarius. Mm. 2020 in hindsight. Uh, earlier this week, Jeff and I went down the five, like the Spotify raps, five most played songs um, for the year. Luke, yep. we were sans you, but um, we did, I did make a playlist on the Spotify that included Luke's top five played tunes um and luke do you want to give us a rundown real quick of what your five tunes were yeah i've only had spotify since september uh because i switched over with joe rogan he's a newbie so, yes i'm very new so mine isn't fully representative on my full year and also has some overlap with my top artists that you will see later but uh my top five songs are never did i stop loving you by uh alice clark which was featured in the King of Staten Island in the end credits, uh, yep. that that new uh, movie with Bill Burr and um, Pete Davidson. And I fell in love with that song. That's how I discovered it. Um, second song is, most played song was Shine Your Light by um, the Dude Party, uh, Pay to Come at number three by the Bad Brain. <laughs> um, that would be the version off of uh, the Black Dot Session. Uh, can I just say, not to interrupt... Yes. But when I was putting that playlist together, there was the Black Dots version, and then there was the other version. Yes. And I was sitting the there like, version. and I was like, what, fuck, which one, which one it, would it have been? 
and I I use the black dots version. I'm just saying, I'm just I feel good about I, that because I'm yes. just like, yes, I got it right. <laughs> because the black dot version, that was the first time I've actually heard the black dot sessions because I don't believe that album was on Amazon Music. So I like dove so hard into it. Um, ah, yeah. Number four would be Lonely Heather, also by the New Party, uh, off their new album. And then number five was actually super representative of my year and was probably my number one most listened to song overall of any format, which was Up on the Sun by the Meat Puppets. Oh, yep, yep. So it's been nice. a very uh, it's it's been a year for a lot of I feel. Uh, Ramones, Black Flag, Meat Puppets. I, I feel like my year uh, has had so many musical moments that I can barely like. I'm like, oh my god, that was all this year. Like, I feel like <laughs> right. this. I feel like I listen to more music this year than I ever have in my entire life. I feel like I yeah. really dove down a lot of rabbit holes. Well, well, I think it was the one-two punch for us too, because like you figure, not only have we just been been spending most of our time in quarantine. But also, doing the podcast as well, where you know music is the focus. So, yeah, I mean, I was you know. just uh, you know saying last last night that I uh, I probably have listened to the most music this year because of the a lot of the quarantine. But I've at least uh, averaged one album a day, like that I've listened to on vinyl alone. So, and then some of those days was three, four, five you know most of them like three records a day and then sometimes on the weekend i was doing like 10 records a day 11 yeah and then that's not even counting what you know in the car and stuff so it was really uh it was a great year for listening yeah put in work man i did putting in work right on well so now that we have the top five songs out of the way let's go into artists yeah artists do it Artists. Artists, artists. Jeffrey, you want to lead us off? Yeah, man. So I'll go from I'll go from five to one, I guess. Okay. Number five for me was the nineteen seventy five, which is a pop rock band from England. They put out a new double album this past year called Notes on a Conditional Form. Yep, They're yep. just a really funky, slinky type of in excess type of throwback band that I really enjoy. Number four, the funk band Wolfpack, who yep. I love. I've listened to weekly for the past two years or so. Uh, they put out a new album. Uh, I forget what it's called, but they put out a new album. The Joy of Music, The Job of Real Estate, I think is what the album's called. Okay. <laughs> and they also did a great Madison Square Garden live concert. And they put that out as an album. And if you have the chance, watch the video of their Madison Square Garden live concert. It's all done with a single camera that's floating around the stage. One of their co-producers mans the camera. So you feel like you're on stage, like a member of the band the whole time. It's, It's great. Oh, nice. That's that's awesome. Yeah. It's like an, you know, an hour and a half, like a normal concert length. YouTube. It's on YouTube. I think I know what you're talking about. It's it's amazing. Yeah, it's amazing. It's it's such an innovative way to shoot a a, a live show, and the fact that it's all there on YouTube for free is just so awesome. They're a band mm. that they were the first independent artist to sell out Madison Square Garden. Oh, for, really? For that show, yeah, That's they just fact. they just rented the hall. They did it without a promoter. 
without any management. They just paid the upfront fee to rent Madison Square Garden, and then they sold it out. Beautiful. So no shit. Yeah, beautiful. Man. Great band. Love that band. Um, number three on my list, one of our standards, Pink Floyd. Ooh. Featured number three on the on this list, probably because this was the first year that I really listened to The Wall and Animals a lot. Like mm. those were two albums that I hadn't really gotten into in the until the past two ish years, and I played those two albums, Wish You Were Here, Dark Side of the Moon, to death. Number two on my list, which I'm very surprised is not number one because I listen to this band. More than maybe is advisable. <laughs> and that's the 70s. And I guess they put out a couple albums like 15 years ago. 70s funk, jazz, fusion, pop band, Steely Dan. Ooh, oh, yeah. Dan. Yeah, man. Dan. I, dude, I, I'm <laughs> telling you, I listened to, I would say, easily three hours of Steely Dan a week this entire year. Oh, easily. yeah, man. I- I went through my steel. That was one of my phases this year. Was the Steely Dan phase, man? They're they're just. I mean, they put out no bad music. Again, it's jazz pop fusion, so you know you got to be into it. Yeah. But every album is great. Can't buy a thrill. Pretzel Logic. Katie Lied, Asia Gaucho, etc., etc., etc. Great band. Asia. <laughs> And my number one most played artist, which must have beat Steely Dan, because I definitely remember playing this artist a lot in the first half of the year. Again, this year has felt like it's three years long, so I didn't even fully remember. But my number one most played artist this year was one of my favorites, of course, Queen. Yeah. And that was probably because this was the first year where I gave a lot of their albums a lot of play that I had it in the past. The albums such as the first one, Queen, the second one, Queen 2, third album, Sheer Heart Attack, my favorite, one of my top 10 albums of all time, Night at the Opera, and Mm. I played a lot of the game. But, you know, I played a lot, a little bit, a lot of their discography, but, you know, we all know Queen, we all know the hits. If you know the hits, you like the hits, get deep on their albums, because the hidden gems are are really gems. So that's my top five. I super agree with Jeff on that one because uh, Jeff was like, man, um, uh, A Day at the Races. Yeah, the, that's the white one, right? Uh, Night at the Opera is the white one. Day at the Races yeah. is the black one. Uh, yeah, Night at the Opera. Oh, my God. Such a great full album that I really hadn't given a chance to. And I listened to it like a couple weeks ago, um, really thinking about like our Frog Rock episode. And it was really great. And it was a super dope listen. And I super agree with Jeff. Some great deep cuts on there. Yeah, absolutely. Likewise. Uh, I mean, I'm in love with, yeah. I'm in love with my cars on there, right? Yeah. Yeah. Great, great tune. Great, uh, great car song. I like the uh, prophet song. It's like that really long prog rock song where it has this whole interlude where it's just the vocals panning back and forth and like layering yes. on top of each other. Great to listen to with a stereo system. Uh, like that's it's that's a great stereo system. Mm. Yeah. So again, my top five, five to one: the nineteen seventy five Wolfpack, <laughs> Pink Floyd, Steely Dan, and Queen. Check them out. Great artist. Yeah. That was twenty twenty for me. Twenty twenty five to one. Yeah, I was. I knew that you. That's why you were laughing. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, we're gonna Jim Morrison this. One oh. in five.
<laughs> Michael. Hey, no one here gets out alive. Yeah. Michael, give us can I can I uh guess your top five? Or right, because I forgot them already. I know you sent them, but number one's definitely the greatest. Definitely. Oh no, false. Number one is the Beach Boys. Oh, Whoa. good vibrations. Good. Blowing my mind. I'm picking up good vibrations. So, Michael, this was your year of discovering the Beach Boys, right? Um, after, after years of me telling that the Beach Boys are my favorite band. Yes, American I band. I finally folded. Uh, <laughs> it was it was a uh, I, I I finally decided to hang ten and <laughs> <laughs> and ride the wave. No, honestly, for real, yeah. I mean, this year I would dub as the year that I fell in love with uh, the Beach Boys, and I mean, really, like Brian Wilson, just because. I don't know, man. I watched that movie, and like, wh- I'm I'm sure there's like diehard Beach Boys fans who are like, yeah, fuck that movie or whatever. I don't know. I really enjoyed it. The one with Brendan Cusack as him older, John Brian Cusack. Older. Yeah, and then who? I said John. Uh, I said Paul John Daniel. Cusack, didn't I? No, you always What's said that? Brendan Cusack. Shout out to Tony G, but he's not oh, a Beach Boy. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, yeah. Young, the young Brian Wilson. Paul Dano. Paul Dano. Yeah, Paul Dano, and. Yeah, the, I just I love that movie, and I just never realized like what Brian Wilson went through in his life and everything, and like the competitive nature between them and the Beatles, and like all this stuff. Like, I don't know. Once it was, I mean, it's it's kind of like how most music is for me, which is like I need to learn about the artists in order to kind of like connect with them and kind of like see their perspective. I mean, there's stuff that I automatically like. And that's why I feel like with the Beach Boys, I had to kind of learn about the Beach Boys in order to like really appreciate them. And in and through that process, I not only appreciate them, but obviously they're the number one played artist on my Spotify rap. So like Who's I've really number just five then? fallen in love with uh with the Beach Boys. Number five was um uh Yoris Xiluris, George Xiluris, because I did uh, I from was, the motherland. Uh, from the motherland, yeah. Um, that, and that, yeah, I mean, he was my number five, and I just, I did a lot of, like, heavy listening to Greek music this year, but, like, him specifically, he's, like, he's my favorite, because he plays the lute, and it's, like, lute heavy. Most Cretan music features heavy on the on the lira or, like, a violin, whereas this is much more, like, percussion with lute, sort of having, like, different sorts of versions of, like, traditional Greek songs, or Cretan songs, I should say. So I really enjoyed that this year. What's the closest American instrument to a lute? Like uh, a mandolin? A man- yeah, mandolin, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, mandolin, yeah. Um, tune- it's tuned exactly the same. It's tuned, it's E-A-D-G, like higher Forks. pitch or lower pitch. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> um, so yeah, Xiluris was number five for me. Uh, number four was Bob Marley and the Whalers. Oh, yeah, Bonnie Whaler. But, um, yeah. we we talked about how Exodus, I think, was one. It was what was my number three uh, most played song of the year. So Bob Marley and the Whalers being um, a fitting number four for my top artist on my Wrapped. Uh, number three coming in hot. Motorhead. Oh, really? Yeah, baby. Wow. This year was a crazy year. It's like I I cried with the Beach Boys and Brian Wilson, and then I broke windows with Motorhead. Uh, yeah, yeah, I did a bunch of speed with Motorhead. You know what are you gonna do? No, 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 no. I did I did not actually do that. No, uh, but I did enjoy the mo- I enjoyed the Motorhead. Interesting. Um, number two 
GD. Thanks, Jerry. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, can I ask you a question about your, your motorhead? Yeah. Did you literally, is that your number one artist and you literally probably only listen to the albums Ace of Spade and uh, From Here Till Hammers, uh, Hammersmith? No, I also listen to Overkill. Oh, Overkill's a good record. I love Overkill. And no, 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 I did. To be fair, I did actually like span quite a few albums. I mean, don't get me wrong. Overkill's my go-to. Oh, really? I'm an Ace of Spades guy. I mean, we I love... Well, you, we you, can't, you can't show an Ace of Spades. Ace of Spades is just one of those albums where it's like, yeah, you gotta give it up for it. It's like Back in Black. It's like one of those. But as for the non-Ace of Spades pick, it's usually Overkill for me. But... Okay. Um, just needed to know. Continue with your Grateful Dead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then Grateful Dead... C- continue I, with your nine-minute-long guitar solo. Yeah. Well, <laughs> let me continue with the nine-minute-long monologue. <laughs> um... It all started in Cornell. It all started, yeah. Uh, yeah, I talked them to death uh, on, on, on the last episode, so I'm not going to go too was far Was it two that. or three of your most played songs were great? Three. <laughs> Ugh, from brutal. one show, too. Yeah, all from the same show. You're just a, you're a true deadhead. You're just living in the past. You're yeah, like man. chasing that track. I was there, man. <laughs> Mike's like, I'm not a deadhead. And then every time I get into his car, I'm like, what the fuck, dude? <laughs> <laughs> you know, what are you going to do? I it's, It makes me, it comforts me. Hey, you know, man. Sort of, uh, and good. then, yeah, number one, of course, love number one. Love. Number one, the Beach Boys. So that was my top five artists wrapped for Spotify Motorhead. of 2020. I would have thought Black Overkill! Sabbath. I would have definitely thought no, Sabbath. I didn't do a lot of Sabbath this year. I, I I was going with the heavier, when I was going the heavier route, I was going fast. Yeah. So I was like Motorhead, <sighs> just complete, yeah, Anger. raw ag- aggression. Yeah. Because it's been kind of that Good sort of a it. year. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, moving on, Luca. Okay, so my top five is, I feel like, highly Can- representative of things I did not own on vinyl. So let's start there. It was mo- That's where I mostly was listening to stuff, right? Okay. Stuff I didn't own. Okay. Right. So, <laughs> number five. So it's not, have- so no Argent. No. Oh. Oh, bro. <laughs> Jeff, Jeff. So no Argent. No <laughs> Todd Jeff, Rundgren. I get, I get in the car this morning, dude. Right? <laughs> I'm on classic vinyl on the serious because it's it's at the free trial. <laughs> yep. What what is playing? But uh, like a ten minute Argent. <laughs> oh, Luke is in heaven. Which one? They have so many. <laughs> God gave rock and roll to you. Oh, can we just sidebar real quick? Yeah. Kiss yeah. is Kiss is performing a farewell 2020 concert. Saw that. And then, Amazing. And then what? Suicide pact at the end? I don't know. <laughs> Ace Freely's like, oh, come on, guys. It's their, it's their ninth farewell concert. <laughs> anyway, all right. Let's let's gear back. Let's gear back. But anyway. Okay. So anyway, I've, I've, only, I've only had uh, Spotify since, since September. But since then, I've listened to, at number five, Mac Miller. Um, that would yeah. be, yeah, you know, I yeah. really enjoyed that this year. Uh, the, what this new album that came out was that this year? Yes, it was. Uh, it was circles. Yep. Right. It was. It's. It was like the follow up to swimming. Yes, and uh, I really love that record. Um, I listened to it a lot. Um, me and my girlfriend played it. I like while we w- relaxed, while we cooked dinner. 
while we had like campfires we listen to it all the time um so that's probably why and then uh and it's really good so you should check it out and then at number four um, was a uh, bully an artist on sub pop records uh they released a new album this year called sugar egg which was one of my favorites of the year um and i played that to death um on all formats including this one so that was high on the list and it was great and yeah and then at number three um i really went through um like an 80s rock yeah like yeah not 80s rock but like 80s underground um and independent music i really like discovered that music uh early 80s sst records um you know, and even like the Husker Du, all that kind of mm. stuff. The replacements, um, and so I was really into that, and I really was like reading books about it. And uh, you know, I read one, uh, I listened to one audio book and read another book about that kind of music this year. And so at number three was uh, the Meat Puppets, and I really loved that band this year, and I really discovered them. And their first three albums were on constant repeat. Um, and yeah, so that was number three. Um, at number two, um, <clears throat> like Mike was saying, I went heavy with the aggr- like if I went for aggressive music, it was like fast aggressive. Um, so I went for Bad Brains because I also like to stick mm. some positivity in there. Um, and I really discovered the Black Dot Sessions on here. Um, great version of Pay to Come is on here. It's a little slower, but it's got great um, like doubles. Uh, like double stroke rolls in in the verse, which is amazing. It's super fast. Um, everything you know, Bad Brains is amazing. But yeah, so that's why I listened to that. And then my number one artist on Spotify, which I didn't believe, was the Minutemen. But this oh. probably makes this probably makes some sense because when I was you know saying I was diving into that music, I did listen to the Minutemen, Black Flag, and the Meat Puppets a ton this yep. year. But because the Minutemen have such short songs, <laughs> right? Right. I listened to Double Nickels on the Dime at least ten times this year on Spotify from September till now, and it's a twenty-eight. I mean, a forty-eight song record. I think around there. And it's it's only fifty minutes long too, probably. Right. So that's the other thing about actually, it's a pretty long record at that. But the songs are only like a minute and a half, two minutes a piece, right? So that's probably why the Minutemen made it to number one. But um, I really devoured Double Nickels on the Dime this year um, and everything, you know, they put out pretty much. Mm. But yeah, so that was my number one Spotify artist was the right on. an artist that was very new. Mike to Watts band. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Band. Also, uh, rest in peace, D. Boone. D. Boone. Who, uh, George Hurley. Yeah, the anniversary of his passing was uh, a couple days mm. ago. Yeah. Christmas Eve. R.I.P. Um, all right. Well, cool, why, don't we, why don't we take a quick break and then come back with our favorite albums of the year, our top Deep three favorite albums of the year. Uh, all three of us chose three albums apiece of what we felt like were the best albums of the year of 2020. So we'll take a quick break. We'll come right back with those lists. And we're back. And we're back. Welcome back to Get in the Garage. We're going to start our top three albums of the year. Released in 2020. Released in 2020. Jeff, would you like to start us off with your 
yes. top albums. So what I'm going to do first, I'm going to throw out some honorable mentions that didn't make the top three. And those are... Drumbo, please. Tame Impala's album released on Valentine's Day called The Slow Rush. Mm-hmm. Great psych rock. A little disco-y, a little dancey, Moody. Good stuff. Check it out. And my other honorable mention released second week of April a folk record by Laura Marling called Song for Our Daughter. I believe it's like her sixth album. And she is kind of like, I would say she's picking up the mantle from Joni Mitchell because Mm -hmm. it's extremely emotional and intellectual music, but it's also very pretty and palatable. She has an incredible voice. One of my favorite voices ever. Um, I got turned on to her a handful of years ago by Sarah Lemley, and I love Laura Marling's music, her new album, Song for Our Daughter. Check it out if you like Joni Mitchell, if you like Sheryl Crow, if you like Brandi Carlisle. I would say she's kind of like a blend of those three, but to me, she's better than all of them because I just think her music has more feeling and thought, and it's just absolutely gorgeous. All right, now to get to my top three. Number three, released very beginning of June by hip-hop group Run the Jewels. The album is RTJ4. Yeah. This album Love that album. Was supposed to be released two days after they actually released it, but this was the week after the murder of George Floyd, and they were sitting on this music, and they said, you know what? Fuck it. Here you go. Because there's no better time to give this music to the, to the people than right now. They released it on Wednesday instead of a Friday. This album is 11 tracks of criticism on all of our systems, our economic system, our police system, our judicial system, our financial system, our education system, our social, economic, everything. Um, There's a little, you know, of course, a sprinkle of the hip-hop standard braggadocio, you know, flossing on everybody type of stuff but this album just like their previous three features some of the deepest most timely material in hip-hop in my opinion the music the beats of this album were put together by lp who's one of the two mcs of run the jewels and some of his cohort the brothers, Little Shalimar and Wilder Zobi, who have worked on all their albums. The producer, Boots, who was one of the main producers on Beyonce's, mm, I think it was her fifth album, her self-titled album, which to me is still my favorite Beyonce album. So Boots worked on this RTJ4 album. It features Zach De La Rocha from Rage Against the Machine, Two Chains, um, Josh Homie, and what's the lady's name? Ah, uh, I can't remember her name. Mavis Staples on a oh, track. Oh, really? Yes. Hmm. I didn't, yeah, I didn't know. Gangsta Boo is on a track. Pharrell is on a track. The music, the beats of this album are, I would say, the 2020 version of The Bomb Squad, which was the production team behind Public Enemy. And Ice Cube's first solo album, America KKK's Most Wanted. It's dense production. It's 
a little scary. It's extremely moody. It's tense. It has a lot of variety. They use these electronic squeals and squelches with organic drums and saxophone. It is some of the craziest beats. I love it. And of course, the rhyming of Killer Mike from Atlanta, LP from New York, two styles blending seamlessly together. That's all I got to say about that, man. RTJ4, my number three album of the year. Yeah, and I would like to say, too, that that was an album that I was going to pick as one of my three. But then I saw that you picked it. I was like, all right, all right. Yeah, <laughs> Jeff, take it. Because it really is, man. It's so good. It's so, like, it's so moody and brooding and dark and, like, chaotic. And there's, like, so, there's so many cool beats on that album, too, that sound a little bit, like disjointed almost and like they're so like it's for me like it coming out when it did and listening to it and it's just it's such a what's it the thing for me was like earlier this year we were talking on the podcast about saying like is there really any music that is having this sort of lineup with what's happening in the times in sort of of the way that maybe like the music of the late 1960s had with what was happening politically, socially, economically, all that stuff. And I would say that 110% that this Run the Jewels album is one of those albums that like this album is kind of like a soundtrack to kind of what's happening right now, you know? And it's just, Definitely. I don't know. It's just, it's just incredible. I think Killer Mike is amazing. Like, I don't know. I just, I think the whole thing is just like, yeah, incredible album. So I couldn't agree more. Can I... Can I kind of ask you guys a, 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 a question yeah. about this record? Because this is one that you guys really listen to. Uh, when this was released, like, and I like that stuff was happening. Um, I, for me, like something new, because I'd not been a Run the Jewels fan, even though I like kind of had felt the importance of the album when it dropped and came out for a lot of people. And as you guys are expressing now, um, I went for more like things where that were like more comforting that I had already known kind of music, but. Um, when, what I'm trying to say is, did you, that music really like comforted you guys in that moment in this very special way? Because I mean, that was the artist that you guys had listened to, and you guys kind of took maybe like not not so much comfort, but maybe took aim and message from that record when it dropped and was released, right? Yeah, I I I, mm. I think that they they um, what's the phrase? They speak truth to power. Cause yeah, that that album, I feel like in the moment that happened this year. I feel like um, when people look back, uh, that might be like a, a, um, a you know, maybe like a, it's going to be one of those things that goes with the movement. Because you know what I mean? That album had a lot to say, you know? Yeah, man, they, they are. Because I did, I did listen to a lot of interviews with Killer Mike about the record. And I mean, I listened to like a whole Rolling Stone podcast about it where they played samples of the song and music and interviews with him about the messaging of the album you know yeah i mean they are the 2020 public enemy man not just the beats and the music but the the subject matter it's very yeah. much like when it takes a nation of millions to hold us back came out in 1988 and there was that was right before and during when rioting was happening in new york los angeles and all over the country um but also the thing about rtj4 this isn't shit that they haven't been 
talking about and rapping about and making music about for the last five years already. Like these guys, they're just on, on their same shit. They're just, it's just a continuation. I, I mean, I think that's why they don't title their albums. They just call them one, two, three, four, because the the bullshit goes on, man. They, they talk about the same stuff on every album and they try yeah. to make the world a little bit better because especially killer Mike, he's a big activist in Atlanta, his hometown. But yeah, I, for me at least, when I listen to this album, I'm always going to think about the Black Lives Black Lives Matter movement and the rallies and the turmoil and the protests this summer. Um, yeah, but it's definitely a soundtrack for the 2020 summer for me. Right on, man. Well said. Yeah. So then, moving on to number two for you. Number two for me. Possibly my most played album this year, but not my favorite. I'm going to slot it at number two out of respect for my number one. My number two album from the sister band from Los Angeles, Haim, their third album. It's called Women in Music Part Three. This is an album that is equal parts girl power rock, like the mid 90s stuff, the Liz Fair stuff. It's also blends in their Fleetwood Mac type of sensibilities. This album mixes in a lot of 80s electro sounds, you know, heavy chorus guitars, drum machines on certain tracks, lots of atmosphere. This album was produced by Danielle Heim, who's the lead singer, guitar player, and drummer of the band, alongside Ariel Reichscheid and Rostam Batmanglij. Errol Reichscheid is one of the producers of the past couple of Vampire Weekend albums, which I really, really enjoy, as well as music by Sky Ferreira that I really enjoy, especially the song Everything's Embarrassing. That's a song from like, I don't know, seven years ago. It's one of my favorite songs of all time. And Ross and Batmanglij was a member of Vampire Weekend, who is now out of Vampire Weekend, but he worked on their last album as a co-producer, and he does his own solo stuff. Um, both of those guys were multi-instrumentalists on this album, along with the Haim sisters, Esty, Danielle, and Alana. It's 16 tracks long. It's great summer music. It's girl power, rock and roll, pop. They talk about how men are shit, how they love their sisters, how they love Los Angeles, how men are awesome when they're being awesome. You know, it's a, it's a little <laughs> bit of everything. They have songs of this album that are two chord kind of meditations on relationships all the way to synth influence, kind of like TLC type of songs. Mm. There's great playing all of this album. The sisters are great, <coughs> great at their instruments. Danielle rips on lead guitar. Uh, Esty is a great bass player and Alana does a lot of great keyboard and guitar work. Um, yeah, I love Haim. I've loved them since they came out. I think 2012 is when they started really releasing stuff. They've been one of my favorite band, bands since then. And I think that this album is their best album. This came out at the end of June. Um, the production on this is, it's just, it's amazing. I can't even really describe it because it's a little bit of everything production-wise. Um Oh, also one of the other producers who worked on a handful of tracks and mixed like half the albums is Dave Friedman, who is the main producer behind The Flaming Lips. So if you know that band where it's mm. kind of psyched out rock music, 
He also produced the first MGMT album. He produced a Thursday album from the mid 2000s. But his sound and a lot of this album sound is kind of like blown out, distorted vocals on certain tracks, clipped drums where the drums are just smashing so hard. They just like clip the top of it. So it has this like boxy sound. There's layers of keyboards, piano, harp, (coughs) drums, three layers of percussion. Um, Yeah, I love this album. I'm Women in Music Part 3. Right on. Yeah, I got a chance to listen to a little bit of that record. And yeah, like really nice vibes, man. I was listening to it when I was uh, getting ready for work the other day. And it's just like, it's just got that, you know, I don't know. I'm I'm sad we don't have video because it's like. (laughs) it's There's a bounce. There's a, there's a. Yeah. Yeah. And the harmonies, man. Like my least favorite song on this album is probably only because it's my least favorite song because it's the only song that features no harmonies. Hmm. which is man from the magazine but the rest of the album has three-part harmonies like on every chorus and different sections of each song um yeah yeah man can i can i tell you one of my favorite things about like some of the new music i listened to in 2020 which is i'm gonna guess the theme of this record was um women's perspectives in songs being very blatant for me to hear like the messages were like this is what i'm talking about and it was things that you've never really heard before maybe some more brash statements that I really enjoyed and loved and like things that needed to be said in music. Agreed. Definitely. And like, that was one of the themes in 2020 that I loved um, so much was like, just lyrically the way women were writing this year. I thought they were killing it. Like I just was vibing so hard on a lot of stuff that uh, women were writing this year. So I'd like to, you know, say that yeah I, and, I and i mean I love it's not messages. it's not that women haven't been writing good stuff beforehand but i think the empowerment from the time's up movement yeah and just really honesty and especially like me personally i know that i have a lot of my own bullshit as a 32 year old white male that i need to recognize and come to terms with and change and this was an album that i listened to and i was basically like yeah, a lot of this stuff, like, directly is kind of about, like, how I live my life, and I need to fucking change that bullshit. Mm. Yeah, or, like, I, you know what else I like, too? I liked, like, even from the other angle of, like, oh, like, uh, you know, I've heard, like, songs this year where, you know, women were like, I'm so mad, and I'm not right in this moment, but, like, goddamn, I'm mad. And I'm like, yeah, I like that message, too. Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. It was more angry at some points. And I was like, yes, I was just vibing with even that level of it, you know? Mm. Like, even if the song was just blatantly like a more of like an anger song kind of thing. I was like, yeah, man. I was like, get it. Like, Definitely. You know? <laughs> Definitely. There was more the aggression part of like uh, the writing that I listened to from a lot of female artists this year was something that was like super, you know, it was it was great. I needed the, the uh, aggression, you know, mm. from, from another angle, from a feminine perspective if you get my drift you know definitely because like there's there's plenty of black flag records obviously that have aggression but that's like a more male angered uh perspective and i'm gonna be straight you guys a lot of my aggressions really aren't male centric you know what i mean so Mm -hmm. it's nice to like relate to a different kind of energy 
So yeah. that and I found that in a lot of like writing this year. So I, you know, that's just you know something I wanted to to say and throw out there. Yeah, <laughs> if that made sense. No, it definitely yeah. makes sense, and it's gonna carry on to my number one selection, man. Because no album, no album was more about those things than my number one. Came out mid April. I think it's her fifth album. Fiona Apples, Fetch the Bolt Cutters. Yeah. Oh, and what a number one, Jeff. I'm going to also interject before you give your explanation and say that I listened to this in preparation for the show. And this is my number one album, I would say, because I don't think any album affected me more than this record after I listened to it. I've been, it's been on repeat. Mm. I've listened to it every day for like the past since, you know, you sent that email out. So continue and uh you know tell everyone why it's so great yeah okay so this is fiona apple's fifth album fiona apple is like she is my billy holiday she's my eddie piaf she's my aretha franklin she's my nina simone like her music just makes me feel and think so much about myself and about the world and about other people and other people's perspectives and how people go through this world. She puts out an album. This was her first album in eight years. And before that, it was like the gap between that, that one was seven years. The gap between the one before that was five years. The gap between that one was four and a half years. So mm-hmm. she puts a lot of thought into these albums, I think, and takes her time to just put out the right stuff. This album is so crazy. It's co-produced by Fiona Apple, the drummer of the album, Amy Eileen Wood, the upright bass player on the album, Sebastian Steinberg, and guitarist, multi-instrumentalist on the album, David Garza. They record this album over a period of five years, mostly at Fiona Apple's house in Los Angeles. I think she was in Venice Beach. This album, the majority of was recorded on GarageBand. And she... Excuse me. She would just kind of set up the mic, start GarageBand, and hum something or bang a pot or pan or shake a tablecloth or make some kind of noise and then just would layer all together. And this album is very imprecise and sloppy on purpose. It is Mm. so organic sounding. Uh, Most of the tracks, like a typical Fiona Apple song, is her playing piano upright bass drums and like some shakers or something i'm simplifying but you know that's kind of what it is this album is like five layers of vocals eight layers of of percussion type sounds upright bass and like a smattering of keyboard or like just a repetitive guitar thing that happens like on 45 seconds of the song this album is disjointed and alive in a way that I haven't heard an album in many years. To be honest, I hadn't heard it since her previous album called The Idler Wheel, which that album was basically her playing piano and singing, the drummer and upright bass. So that album was kind of a change because it was very raw. And then I listen to this album, I'm like, that album sounds like a studio pristine type of thing. Because this album is straight bonkers some of the time in the best way. Like she has these sing songy parts that come in at the end that are kind of like nursery rhyme, like rounds 
it is her voice has gotten more raw and ragged and like broken in the best way as the years have gone on. I think she's in her early forties now. She's like 43 years old. She sounds like she could be 60 years old. And at times she sounds like she's her 21 year old self where she broke in the mid nineties and was like on Rolling Stone covers and stuff like that. Her music is so emotionally raw and so prescient and so pointed. This whole album is about how the world at large or in a very small way, like in one-on-one relationships, fucks over women. And this album, I've been thinking about this album for eight, nine months since it came out. And every time I listen to this album, I try to remember that I need to like change some of my bullshit and I need to really get myself in line. I really need to check myself and I really need to break patterns that are learned things that are societal things that are enforced things by your upbringing or by your friend group or by advertisement where women are the subservient lesser of the sexes is so not true. This album, every time I listen to it reminds me that you got to give the power to the women. They're smarter. They're better. They're more feeling they're, gonna do (laughs) if if women ran the world maybe it wouldn't be in chaos like it is currently (laughs) i i listen to some i suggest that you listen to it from start to finish the heim album i'll pick songs out i'll put songs on playlists i don't think i've ever sat down and not listened to this album at full at full a lot of times i'll put on shuffle so i don't listen to the same order but i can't pick best songs on this album i can't pick worst song on this album this album is so true this album, it cuts so deep. It is incredible. Fetch the Bolt Cutters by Fiona Apple. Yay. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, lo- I really enjoyed that album, too, like, listening to it. I'm kind of late to the Fiona Apple game. Like, I'm not, you know, you were the kind of the one who, who told me, who encouraged me to listen to Fiona Apple. And this album, like... What song was it? Uh, Sh- is it Shamika? Yeah. Is that the that song? Like that piano? Oh my god! I yeah. was like, "What is what the fuck is going yeah. on?" But yeah, I love I love the production quality of it. Um, like I didn't even know the background that it was recorded in the house and in like random rooms and shit. So that makes so much sense because like that was one of the things I wrote down. I was like, that like you can just you can hear the room. It's so like percussive. There's R&B elements. There's synth kind of stuff. There's like a slam poetry feel to it at times. Yeah, yeah. It's like a like kind of like a '90s feel at times too. Like, I I really enjoyed listening to it. Yeah, I I uh, I related to this record like super super hard. Like lyr- lyrically, like I mean, I I was you know there's like a lot of like you know stuff about like you know being bullied and teased and outcast as a child and not really knowing who you are. And that stuff really, like, really was, like, hitting home. And it, uh, the lyrics were so, like, poignant and, like, really honest and well-written and funny at times, even. Yeah, definitely. Her humor point. is so dark but so good. Yeah, like, it made me laugh. And then, like, it, it really felt like this is going to be, like, a metaphor, but it felt like a homemade card to yourself that says, like, hey, I, you need to love yourself. Yeah. Like, I love you. You know what I yeah. mean? And that's what it felt like. It's really homemade-y. Um, it reminded me of, like, a modern-day, uh, like, Brian Wilson. Like, 
in the way no listen in the way that the the tempos don't match up on some of the stuff and it's like modulely recorded where it's like one part done and then like another part will come in that's like way different as a different drum beat and stuff mm-hmm. but in, in that kind of feel um and i just love the 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 songs and i really connected with them i feel everybody will connect should connect with them because they're very human elements in them you know what i mean this stuff for i think everybody in there yeah. and jeff said the percussion on the record is oh See, they don't even play instruments on most of these things it's like in the liner notes it says like comb or chair or like brush <laughs> she like she shakes a she shakes a box of her dog of her dog's dog treats on one of the songs like there's dog howling on certain tracks because she would just like record in the living room and like the dog would just walk through as she's recording Oh, uh, Relay is that song, right? Uh, that's the one with just the drum beats in it, pretty much. Uh, uh, that song is so amazing. And then it has the, the switch up part where like the beat changes, but like, I don't know. I just love it. Every song. Yeah, man. She, she, she's my queen. Like she's made five albums. The first one is, I guess my least favorite but only in the fact that like it was written by her when she was 17. So in a way I kind of like fault it mm. cause it's like a more juvenile perspective of the world, I guess. But I think if I made a list of my top 25 albums of all time, her last four would be in that top 25. And if I made a list of my top 50 albums of all time, all five of her albums would be on that list. Like I, and, mm. and the evolution that she's undertaken is pretty startling, but it makes sense because she was kind of, packaged as a pop star when she was 19 20 21 years old and she's not a pop star she is a torch singer she's a cabaret performer she is she's an emotional artist she's not that a, was she's my, not a glamour artist that was my favorite thing about reading reviews for this record was like for a pop album for a pop album for a pop album this record is and i was like because uh, i listened to it before i read the reviews and I listened to it, and never for a minute did I think this record was a pop record at all in any sense. In any no, it's only it's only pop because she writes like, great melodies, you know. Like so, they they sink yeah, into a, you. They it, stay it with be, you. Oh yeah, it's a great, it's a melody filled record, and it should be played in the radio. Like I agree with all those things, but as like a pop what what is pop music nowadays that that wasn't pop music that was an art record like that's as arty as the velvet underground like you know what i mean and so as far as like that i was like that you're looking at it the wrong way this is a way bigger statement than a pop record even though it is a popular record you know what i'm saying the depth of it is way i feel going to be more important that's yeah the only thing that i don't like about it is now i'm Mm. a little sad because I know it's going to be another <laughs> eight to 10 years before we get another one, but I'm going to enjoy this one. Until I, know, I know. Because it's so good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right on. Well, Jeff, there we are. We have your three, your top three albums of 2020. Check them out. Um, check them out. Let's move on. Let's move on. I'll, uh, I'll just carry on. We're going to do it in, in increments, but I'll just, I mean, we can, we can just keep it rolling, rolling instead if you'd like. Keep rolling, um, rolling, so... rolling. Fuck <laughs> <laughs> yeah! Um, so for me, um, I have an honorable mention. Uh, I did a little bit 
of like more aggressive music this year. Uh, and August Burns Red had an album that came out this year in April. It was called Guardians. Um, it's, in my opinion, August Burns Red is one of those bands that are a hundred percent like you know they're they're just a classic metalcore band. Like of the metalcore bands that you want to think of, like your Kill Switch Engages, your As I Lie Dying's, all that stuff. August Burns Red, I feel like has kind of they've they've kind of just like kept doing the same thing. They have like a format that they follow. Um, so yeah, that album Guardians is an honorable mention for me. It's just it's killer. It it, it didn't get as it wasn't as well received as the previous album Phantom Anthem, but uh, I thought it was definitely a good shout out. Uh, <clears throat> coming in at number three for me is. And Jeff, you mentioned it earlier, but Tame Impala's The Slow Rush. Uh, we've talked about Tame Impala a little bit um, on the podcast before, but like, yeah, I really dug this album. For me, it was the album. Uh, what? Which one was Lonerism. that had uh, elephants on it? Loner, Lonerism. Yeah, that was kind of like my entry into Tame Impala. Although I'm not sure if Lonerism was the was first the album. No, inner. Yeah, Inner Speaker was the uh, was the other one. Yeah, then and then Currents and so on. But yeah, so Lonerism was kind of my entry level, um, and uh, I just found the slow rush was cool. Like for me, it was like this psychedelic y kind of rock with synth and kind of just it's kind of like just this psychedelic <laughs> soup, yeah. if you want to call it that. Stew. Like, I just I don't know. Yeah, no, for real though, and I I really dug it. Even like you know, like going through the tracks, like. The a, like what would be the A side of the album is you know is killer and just I don't know I think it's definitely worth listening to um, Kevin Parker right uh, is just I mean Ray Parker Ray Parker Ray Parker Jr. Joking. <laughs> Ray Parker Jr. It was a joke I'm sorry guys. no no you're good uh, yeah Kevin Parker just just a great you know writer songwriter producer. All yeah, he, shit, he, you know, so. he played everything and did all the engineering and all the mixing on this whole album. Yep. Did he really? And same thing, I the, the previous that. album, Currents, played every single instrument and did all the engineering and mixing on it. No shit. What's crazy about this one, too, the Slow Rush, is that it had six singles. Yeah, I mean, people, they're a big festival band. Yeah. People love them. Yeah, mm-hmm. huge yeah, yeah, yeah. They're yeah. Australia, right? They're from Australia, and, I think. Originally. And when they perform he, live, kind it's, like, of, it's, it's just him and him. two other guys generally, and they just stand. They do their little shuffle dance. They trigger some synth stuff. They pick up a bass, play that for a minute and a half, go on to something else. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's cool, and I like, I like how like the vibe. <laughs> I mean, it's one of those bands like you know it's Tame Impala when you hear it, but like I just I like how this kind of like varying vibes from album to album you know what i mean there's you know so all in all yeah the slow rush it was released february of this past year check it out i really enjoyed it do you have do you have a favorite song off of this um to be honest with you i i just kind of like kept letting it roll so in terms of the names of songs you know how like sometimes you do with albums where you just kind of like you just play it and you're just kind of like Oh, I don't really Same. know what the names of the songs are, but I just know that I like. I just know I that like I the like song the album, that has a know? piano. It kind of um, sounds like a Mariah Carey beat in the beginning. It's like, 
I think that's I think that's breathe yeah, deeper. I don't know the... Or is it time? I'm not I'm not quite sure. Breathe deeper or tomorrow's dust. I like the bongos. I like a lot of bongos I, on shit. I like the I like the beginning of the album. I like tracks like one yeah. into two into three. Uh but yeah, so definitely I mean a killer band altogether and just a great album for twenty twenty. I think uh it's just nice to hear kind of a band do something like this. So um number two for me is gonna have to be I'm gonna have to thank Luke for for my enjoyment of this album because Luke was like, Hey man, you should listen to Mac Miller. And I never really like earlier this year, and I never really gave Mac Miller much of a chance because I you know, I kind of fell out of the like the hip hop and all that stuff. But then Luke turned me on to what album was it that you had? I think it was Swimming. Yeah, Swimming really caught me caught me good. Yeah, swimming, and we listened to a little bit of swimming, like one of the at, at some point this past year when I came over to your house. I think it's Chelsea had 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 bought it or something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I saw we've spoken about it on the podcast before, anyway. But like I watched the Tiny oh, Desk. Oh, that's great. With 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 Thundercat, and it really I was just like, holy shit! Like, no, this guy's really like he's he's got it. He's got, and it's it's so sad. Because then it was just kind of like I was like, "Oh my god, this is amazing!" And then Lou's like, "Yeah, it's a shame he died." I was like, "Wait, he died?" Like, yeah, what? I think he released like, swimming and just, then died like a month just, and a half later or something. Yeah, yeah. Yep. So that was a couple yeah, of years ago. September twenty eighteen passed away. So the from what I had seen, from what I looked up about it, was that it was like swimming, and then circles that, and that it was supposed to be like a trilogy of albums, swimming circles, and then there was going to be a third one. Uh, so it's just kind of like it sucks when you listen to it because you're just thinking like what could have been you know and it's like really yeah it's sad because you're like fuck man he could have like like Um, you know what i mean he could have changed the the game you know i mean he was already kind of like looking like he was going to be on that trajectory and then to have his life cut so short like it's just such a shame yeah a lot of of introspection on that record yeah on circles you're saying uh yeah yeah that it's just you know yeah. what I mean a different kind of hip hop you know what I mean yeah and I I that. love I love the Arthur Lee cover too yep like everybody I thought that was pretty sweet I was like I was listening to it I was like wait a minute I know this song and the, as it turns out it's from uh the band that ba- like Arthur Lee who was in the band Love but it's a song from 1967 you're like wait what like you know and that's where you see like oh shit he's hip to like. He's hip to some some music. He reminds, you know? me, of, so, he reminds me of like just, the progression yeah. that Childish Gambino has made the past six seven years. We went straight from like oh, yeah, yeah. hip hop into like a neo soul type of R and B thing where he does a lot of more singing. Um, I love this Circles mm-hmm. record. I I hadn't listened to it until two weeks ago when we talked about what our albums were going to be. The main reason for that was because. I, as a, as another white guy with substance abuse and depression issues, I kind of never listened to Mac Miller because I just felt like it was going to be fuel for my own fire. So I never mm-hmm. picked up his stuff until the past couple of weeks for that reason. And this album is, it's so great. It's co-produced or I think every track is produced by John Bryan, who I love because yeah, I was just John say. Bryan worked on the first two Fiona Apple records. And he did the score yep. for some of my favorite movies like Punch Drug Love and Magnolia and Step Brothers. He's a multi-instrumentalist who brings just a lot of flavor and a lot of 
finesse and t type of stylistic touches that aren't really that common in hip hop music at large. Um, but I'm glad, yeah. I'm glad this is one of your picks. I'm glad I went back and actually listened to it because, you know, it's a lot of the same, same stuff I was dealing with and a lot of the perspective that I share. And it was actually, it was pretty good to hear all that stuff. Yeah. Um, I love the track, uh, Blue World. Oh, there. I love that. that. The four that freshmen. Mm. Yeah. I love that. Oh, the... oh man. It, it's such a killer beat. And it's like so throwback to like the 80s vocal yeah. sample beat thing. But like it's done in such a modern take. And it was like, it's so like hot. And that beat is so good. It, oh, that song puts a smile on my face every time. So... It's such a jam. Yeah. My like, my other thing about this album, why I was kind of reticent to listen to it, I kind of have an issue with posthumous releases. This one, I guess, is different because of the whole oh, thing. Oh, yeah. That he had been working with John Bryan and he did plan it to be a three album cycle. And, you know, all the, of course, all of his stuff was recorded and done. So I guess I was able to accept that and not feel that way about it. But how do you guys feel in general about albums that come out after the artist dies? Um, I think it I, depends. Oh, I, it depends. Uh, usually, actually, it really doesn't depend with me. Most of the time, they're all garbage. Yeah. But, but this is why I fed into this one. This is why I gave this one a shot, like, off the go. Because it didn't mm. come out right after. So that was number one. It didn't come out at right. Christmas time. So that was another thing. Um, like the Michael Jackson one was Christmas time, right? The after money grab. Garbage, you know what I mean? That, right, and that whole album is horrible. And even the artists uh, that feature on it are like, uh, I didn't even remember that. So anyway, besides all that, um, I felt like it had, you know what I mean? So, and when I listened to it, it sounded complete to me. It didn't sound like any, mm. it didn't sound incomplete. And you know what I mean? Or unfinished, like the songs were good and the quality was like up to par with his last record for me so that's why i felt like it wasn't um you know what i mean it wasn't something i had issue with but normally they're all garbage yeah i think the like, only one i've i've heard I've recently seen, that yeah. i did enjoy was the most recent tribe called quest album but that was also different because fife dog wasn't the only dude rapping on it so I was a little right, like, right. Oh, I don't know, it's Mac Miller thing. It's going to be piecemeal and kind of just like all over the place. But I thought this, I I thought it was maybe his also, best thing, this album. Yes. Also, um, no, there was no um, really featured artist mm. on this record at all either. So that's what also included me that this was more yeah. of a complete work. So. Yeah, I just, um, I don't know. I think when it comes to that topic, I think you can tell when it's just, they're trying I, to just make money or if they're just kind of like, Hey, I'm just trying to share right. this thing from this artist. Cause like, I'll say this. I think we've talked about it before, but like enough with the fucking new Hendrix albums, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So like, I think what I'm saying is, is that, yeah, like the post, uh, the hummus, hummus, whatever, uh, album thing. Like, I think the you prince, can, I the think, prince one's bad. Yeah, yeah, and that's that's what I'm saying. Like, they, there's, there's no such thing as. I bad think there's a different like. To, take that back. But no, no, this, <laughs> this is what I'm saying. This is what I'm saying. Let the bootleggers bootleg their bootlegs. It's what they do, 
or yeah. release a nice box set of something that's done really nice for box set boot for people who already did the bootleg but now want to buy it nice. Yeah, like I one and done it. Like just just if you're gonna release it, release it at all in one fell swoop in, instead of basically being like, oh yeah, we're just gonna milk this. Prince is a little different yeah. though because and he just owned give all you... the masters and like all that stuff. But I don't. Yeah, I don't. I don't know the situation. But with the, yeah, with, I mean, the yeah, the, stuff, I but... hate the like. It's the third Biggie album that came out since he died. It's like, yeah, it's just kind of cut up shit that he. It, it wasn't good enough for him to want to release. So like, why are you putting it out ten years later? Right. Yeah, it's like him like <laughs> popping in the studio. <laughs> yeah. Um. So yeah. So Mac Miller circles for my number two. Uh. And then I have to say number one. I'm to be fair. I'm I am surprised that this didn't show up on any of my Spotify rap lists or anything. But the album Mordecai uh... from the band Krungbin is just a fucking jam of an album. I was just dancing to this album when I was actually <laughs> feeling good that, that, this year. I mean, most of the time it was all chaos and, and whatever, but like, you know, like it's just one of those things for me. Like I love putting this album on, you know, you get a little <laughs> buzz on or whatever, you know, it's like you make some food, you know, you have a little drink, you, whatever you put some of this on, you know, and you're like dancing in the kitchen, making dinner. Like that's for me. I love, I love this album. Like it, it just, it feels good. It's like the vibes are there. I mean, uh, a little bit of this, a little bit of that. Yeah, you know, you know like Father Started Bird, Mother Bird, like that song for me, it was like this like kind of California mm. dreaming vibe. There's a there's kind of like those those like San Francisco Jefferson Airplane kind of instrumentally speaking, you know, kind of vibes. Um Yeah, I love how it's like it's like chilled like out was... surf meets world music meets R&B like hip hop kind of like just steady beats. Yeah, and like even the first two, the like the the way the album opens when it goes from it goes first class, which is like mm-hmm. this discoy vocal soaked in reverb kind of sauce, and then it goes into <laughs> into time, like, like with the you and like you and I, and it's just like that's what I mean, man. It's just for me, it just it awesome is the, it and... is the best cooking music. It it I think it's the best background music. That's no disrespect to this band because I would I would see them live and I love them and I know I know their guitar parts and bass parts <laughs> and drum beats and stuff, but it Krunbin's stuff is the best background music. It's great, just yeah. And can we? And I would also just like to just speak to they just look <laughs> so good, like Laura Lee on bass, Mark Spear on guitars, and then Donald John like DJ yeah. Johnson on drums, like. Keyboard, he does keyboards and vocals. Like they all do vocals, they all look. They wear those. They, they wear the look fake the wigs. Part, like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, like with the bangs and all this. I'm like, what the fuck is this? Like, I remember when I actually saw a video of them. I'm like, what the hell is happening? But the music is just so good. Uh, and then Laura Lee on bass too. The best bass tone. Down. The like, best bass tone. Flat yeah, rounds. just incredible bass tone. Even strings. even the. Even the oh. guitar stuff that Mark Spears doing, like he plays the strat and it's like, you know, there's like the cool like phaser effects that he throws on there and like choruses and effect, and it's like, it's just for me, this was probably like my favorite album of the year, like probably the most out current album that I played. Have you ever watched their Rig Rundown album. video? I think Premier Guitar does that series. 
No, you know what? You sent it to me on Instagram a while back, and I started watching Dude, it, but I never finished The reason it. why the guitar and bass sounds so good, it's very weird, but they both, guitar and bass, use flat-wound strings. Hmm. Oh, he, yeah, man. he does flat-wounds on guitar? Like, ja- like jazz oh, strings. I don't even know. And and they said, yeah. they're like, we we change a string if it breaks. Laura Lee says, said that she had those the strings on her bass since she bought the bass like nine years earlier yeah it's just oh it's, it's such a great sound i love mark spears guitar work it's so tasteful it's so it's Jimi hendrix yeah meets it's just... ernie isley meets you know like dick dale type stuff it's awesome yeah so all in all my number one krungbin and then Number two, Circles by Mac Miller, and then number three, Slow Rush, Tame Impala. So there's my my three. I, lo- I love all three. Yeah, yes, yes. Uh, Luca, on yeah. to you, my man. All right, uh, I'm. I went for a different flavor from you guys, but uh, umami. Luke's the umami, and the um, he's the umami. <laughs> so I'm gonna give you a little bit of uh what was, I guess, happening in somewhat of an independent yeah. more record labels, right? Yeah. Sure. I'll give you that. So, this record is my honorable mention. Um, it came out on Mom and Pop Records earlier this year. Um, it is a band from Madrid, Spain, and they are called Heinz. Um, their first record I fell in love with because it was, like, really, like, garage rocky, like, um reverb guitars you know slow drums um they're all uh women and they're that and then they, they're kind of evolving more into like a pop band mm. and when i mean that it's like garage rock like new new indie garage rock mixed with like cool. spears like throwback from the 90s vibe now like they're wearing like chunky sketchers and like jumpsuits and stuff and the songs have uh definitely more of a pop like uh influence on them now they have like you know some like synth and um you know like beefed up bass drums like pop bass drums and snares and stuff on them now and i really like this record i thought it was a cool record so i'd say new indie garage rock mixed with like bubblegum snapping britney spears uh, the album was called The Prettiest Curse, and that was from Heinz on Mama Pop Records. So that came out this year. Really cool. Honorable mention. Um, my number three record this year um, is – hold on one second so I can get the title in front of me. Oh, I know what it is. Oh, yeah, you didn't put it in order, so I wasn't <laughs> sure what your order was. No, it's all good. Oh, yeah, I'm so sorry. It's a surprise now to I me. don't have the title in front of me. It's, it's so long. Here we go. Hold That's on. not your mother, man. <laughs> okay. Was dream, <laughs> dream Hunting in the Valley of the In-Between by Man Man. It's a um, Man Man. Yeah. <laughs> I love this album. Yeah, Man I'm excited man that you chose this one. Is a project fronted by this dude. He also has another band called Mr. Heavenly with uh, members of oh. the Shins. Um, but anyway, besides all that, Man Man is a band that started out making like really avant-garde indie music. Um, and then their last album before this on Oni Pond, that's how I was introduced to them, 
it was playing when I walked into a record store. I asked what it That's was. That's like a movie moment. Blow in my mind. I bought it. Yeah. I was like, what is this? Because it was like pop music with like really cool piano parts. But like also the keys of the music were really weird. And then like the vocals were like so absurd at times. Like and really tongue in cheek. And I fell in love with it because I really am like a fan of like, you know, that done really well. And this record is a, an extension of that. Um, and it has a lot of great um, crazy vocal parts that reminded mm-hmm. me of like Queen, but completely different. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. So the, if you t- took like the operaticness of Queen, if you completely flipped that on its head and you made it so that like the vocals uh, were like completing punchlines with like crazy harmonies, that's what a lot of this record has on it. Um, uh, Mike, how else would you describe it? Um, I'm trying to remember what, what I said when we did our Get in the Shed episodes. Remember, because those, this, those, it was this album that was that. Uh, I know how uh, I would describe that other it. album. So I, I had never listened to yeah. this album until you sent me your list, and I'm so glad I listened to it. They yeah. remind me a lot of the music of Tune Yards which was this indie darling band from the past decade mixed with like Tom Waits, which is that absurdist type of stuff. It's not Tin Pan Alley, Mm. old school style sounding. It's very modern and clean sounding production, but I love the stranger instrumentation on this man, man album. Like there's marimba and xylophone on almost every song. There's, there's, there's saxophone and, and trombones on almost every song. Like I just love those textures that you don't normally hear in, in modern music. Yeah. There's a lot of like this kind of beats going on. Yeah. Um, thank you for like helping me. I was having like trouble trying to think of like what yeah. Listen to Tune Yards because like. if you liked this, like... Tune Yards is just it's like a female fronted kind of version of what this is. Yeah. Oh, I'll definitely have to listen to that. It also has like you're right a mm. lot of like Tin Pan Alley piano moments in it that like do stuff for me. Um, mm. my uh a song I would uh shout out on this record is uh Future Peg, uh. Because I love this is like a a um example of the lyrics on this record. So uh the chorus is have you ever had a meltdown where it felt like your brain was oozing, like a melting ice cream sandwich from your lips to the table to the floor, and you never got a word in edgewise because your tongue was tied in a bow tie and your words were shot out like a newsy. It was like Frank ground. Zappa, like, I love that it. That is such an a- Yeah, I was just yeah. gonna say that's like it's so Zappa y. But and I say that that lyric, and if you haven't heard the song, you're like, that's so dense. But that part of the mm. song is grooving so hard, and it's got like the the, the marimba in it, like the like going on at the same time. It's such a fun <laughs> record. Um, it made me laugh a lot, and it also was talking about some serious things while making me laugh. So yeah. I, I really enjoyed it. And uh, that's yeah, I, re- I really, I really like this album. And I'm, I'm looking forward to listening to more of their stuff. Right. It's like super fun, but they're also tackling some mm. like heavy subjects at the same time. Um, Cloud Nine, the single on this record too, uh, the second song on here is just also killer. It's got a great chorus. Um, so yeah, great like pop melodies mixed with complete new agey Frank Zappa yeah. piano absurdity. So 
check it out. Man, man. Yeah, uh, great dream album. Hunting in the Valley. I picture them on stage in like sequin gowns and stuff like that, or like steampunk <laughs> type of stuff. Um, they are. They do a couple oh, cool. of uh, KEXPs. And I'll check I those out. Re- highly recommend you look at. It. Yeah. yeah, it's oh my god, so fun. Um, good choice. Right on. All right. Sorry, guys, you don't say. It's just a normal, it's right. just a normal Thursday at your house. <laughs> yeah, I know, man. Fresh pots always. You know me. Oh my gosh. What's your right. number two? All right. My number two record of the year was um. Oh my god, I can't talk, guys. Sorry, Bullies Sugar Egg. Yeah. I really, really. Really love this record this year. Um, I think it came out in August, also on Sub Pop Records. Um, oh no, I'm sorry, guys. This is my number two. That was my number one. Oh, spoiler. My number two is a different record. Spoiler. I thought the bullet. Yeah. Now you know, but it is my number one. But um, so here's my number two, guys. <laughs> sorry, my number two is the Nude Parties, uh, mm. Midnight Manor, um. And I really didn't even know this album was coming out this year. I saw it on somebody's Instagram, and I was like, what? This re- record dropped? I didn't even know. Um, so I got it. It came in the mail, and I put it on, and it was super fun for me to listen to. Um, this record was, like, garage rocky and country E. It took um, – it's kind of like one of those, like, newer, like, takes at the classic rock canon, but done in, like, their own style. It's more garage rock, but definitely mixed with, like, styles of, like, the Birds, Sweetheart of the Rodeo. Um, it's got, like, that Graham Parsons, like, wannabe bad boy image to it, but it's, like, there's still a rock band kind of mm. thing. Um, I also thought this album took heavily from, it's called Midnight Manor. It reminded mm, me of yeah. Banger's Banquet, like, the vibe that was, yeah that was going on with it it also had some great like 1970s moments like throwback to like production stuff um and like songwriting verse chorus verse stuff like guitar um and that's why i really really like this record uh mainly because it was our guitar record from this year that really impressed me and it was like it was that's what i really enjoyed about it it was like a louder guitar record that had brunch like rock rockier moments raucous moments Mm. um and that's why I really was uh was into it because you know people, rock and roll is dead. You know this is a rock and roll record, and I thought it was really really good. Um, and my favorite song on here was "Shine Your Light." Has like a great Todd Rundgreny feel, which is one of my favorite artists. But um, I love the lyrics on it. It's they start optimistic and then go really bad really fast. Um, as the song progresses, um, I also love the um first cut on here, "Lonely Heather." Um, it rocks like rip it up uh, from the Rolling Stones off of uh, Exile on Main Street but I, I make these connections but they really kind of got their own thing going on um, it also got like a really great nursery rhyme feel to it um, so yeah you know and that was uh, has pedal steel moments on it as well um, and it really has like a more relaxed feel like it was recorded like in a cabin in the woods it also came with like a really nice notebook like uh the vinyl and uh it showed them like in the studio and it looked like it was really relaxing to make um and the songs are all kind of more low-key and uh yeah you know great guitar record for the year yeah i like country vibes 
I like the, um, I'll say uh, it made me, I'm not saying it's the same, but it definitely gave me the same kind of good vibes that maybe like uh, Look Out Low, the Twin Peaks album. Yes, I would definitely me. agree. That's like, how I actually discovered this band because they uh, toured with Twin Peaks and that's how I. Oh, okay. Yeah, that makes perfect sense then. Yeah, because it's just, it was like for me, it was just like I listened to it and I was like, oh yeah, this is kind of like that similar vibe. Like it's definitely, because I was so, I was so upset that Look Out Low actually came out in 2019 because I was just like, fuck, I really want to talk about it because we haven't done kind of like albums this past year in retrospect style and all that, you know? Um yeah, and a chance to talk about some more modern music that we're, like, more into. Yeah, and guitar music, too, like you said, you know, like, more, a bit more prominent guitar music, so. Yeah, and, like, I, I like I mentioned, like, it rocks, like, classic rock, but I really am trying to make those connections for, like, maybe somebody that's more of just, like, a classic rock listener that's, like, I find it hard to listen to new music. Yeah, this so is, like, I'm the Kinks and Rolling Stones, like, not, partying, you know I mean? Yeah. Not that this record... Great opener yeah, it's, too, it's Lonely like Heather. Record, this you know yeah. I mean? it kicks it's ass from the first song. Great album opener. Yeah, it's got like great, great rock yeah. and piano on it too, like rock and roll boogie woogie piano kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah, like that. I love that. Um, another song I wanted to shout out on here too is um, right, yeah, High Moves On. I thought that was a great ballad written by this band and like showed a more mature lyrical moving forward so i'm really excited to even see what they uh put out next so i'd like to you know also show people i love a band album, with a with a drummer and so a percussionist yeah yeah right there's like a lot of people in the band too yeah. that's why it also feels like a party there's like a pedal steel player you know couple guitars if your band is called starts off Cowboy being called boots. the naked party band yeah. and that is called the nude party you should make music that sounds like this Yes, yeah, and that's what it is. It's it's a great like party record, yeah. but also has some like other great, more like yeah. serious rock and you know moments as well, ballads and stuff. So, I mean, yeah. same with like a band right. like the Rolling Stones. You know, they would do a song like Angie. So, that definitely a good record. Definitely a cool record. Right on. Well, we already know what your number one is, but let's talk about it. Here we go, because I messed up. My number one record this year was uh, Bully's Sugar Egg. Um, <clears throat> So this record, I like wasn't gonna get this record, but then early in the year, I because I didn't really enjoy the last record that much. I enjoyed their first record. Well, let me actually step fully back and explain. My favorite band of all time is probably a band called Jephthah Brotherhood. And on one of their records, uh, they had a female vocalist, and I was like, I love this girl's voice. Um, so I bought uh her band's record that being bully um and i've bought in the progression of records since this being their third that we're going to talk about but um their last record that came out when it came out i wasn't like super into it like i was their first one but uh earlier this year i went back and re-listened to it after i saw like this album being advertised to me and um i really connected with it really hard and i really liked it and then when this album came out i was so excited to listen to it and it really fulfilled like my every uh you know, when like a new record comes out and it was like so fulfilling to me, I was like, yes, um, I loved it. This record rocks like grunge, right. like new age grunge, I would say. Um, it, I yeah, would, it's I very sub pop, like the early 2000s sub pop right? sound. Right. Yeah, and it is out on sub pop records. 
which is awesome. This is a great sub pop band for a, a modern era. Um, also, that Man Man Records out in sub pop. So, like, right now, I feel like for me, sub pop records is doing like has great bands on it, and Bully is so great, making like great modern grungy pop punk music. Um, and I really love like the layering of the vocals, how they are stacked on top of each other so well. Um, can I? Um, hold on one second, guys. I'm so sorry. Um, so anyway, uh, I like how the vocals are stacked really mm. well, and the guitars are super, super crunchy. Um, and the vocals, the way they're stacked, a lot of the time, there's a yelly vocal that's high up in the mix, and then like a softer vocal that's maybe more down, and sometimes it's flip flopped in parts. And I really love uh-huh. that because it's like a it's like a John Lennony multi track, but uh, with like a scream and then like a soft voice, and then even sometimes that's multi tracked on top of each other too. You can hear, and that was the uh, a thing about the production I really really loved. Um, the lyrics on this record too were really personal, um, angry at times, um, like super honest. Like, there's a song in here, Where to Start, where, uh, you know, the first lines, I don't know where to start. I don't even know where to start with you. Um, and, like, you know, I really was into that um, aggression of this record. Um, it's got tender moments. Um, and I just really liked it. And I liked how, like, a lot of it was faster music. So, like Mike said, like, when he went to aggressive, he went to, like, faster. Um, not saying that this record is fully aggressive, but um, it had a lot of nice faster parts to it. And uh, I really, really liked it. Really yeah, I, ge- I generally haven't listened to music that's like this Did you? since, you know, about a decade ago when I was in college. You know, the the more aggressive, kind of yelled, screamed, sung vocals. I I hadn't listened to albums like this, but I'm glad I listened to this. It, it reminded me of the stuff I really listened to a lot back then. And I've gotten away from it, I guess, but it still has a place, man. It still is good music. Yeah, okay, thank you for pointing this out, because that's another thing I liked about this record, too, Jeff, is um, it rocked, like, a lot of the emo music I would listen to in, like, the, right, the yeah. you know, 2008, 10s when I was in high school, um, and it doesn't, it rocked like mm. that, but it has a, a, a maturity to it, I feel, that is, like, the lyrics aren't more like they're definitely not blink when <laughs> we're more all like, you. they're more thought out they're more <laughs> yeah. i'm so sorry no. yeah they're not like that like the song structures too are more or more matured like maybe um you know i hate the comparison but you i'm gonna make it it's like Nirvana is looked at like as a classic band now because like their song structure was so matured and you know what I mean and this record has a lot of that going for it but it also connects with youth because it's like a punk record you know what I mean the bass is fuzzy and it's got fast drums and it's got the on some stuff you know what I mean yeah for Um, for me listening to it it was definitely like it had and I, I don't I hope you know what I mean when I say this, but it, it definitely had like college radio station vibes to it. Like it had yeah. that kind of uh, like like girl band, college radio, you know, chick garage band kind of vibe to it. Yeah, uh, fast, aggressive. I, I I do have to say I I have a soft spot for just the the yelling girl vocal delivery. 
Yeah. Like, I, and that, and it's, that's what stands out in this album, right? Is the vocal delivery is really great. It's yeah. almost like, I'm going to say this, it's like, um, it's like <laughs> almost like Angelica from the Rugrats, but like a little different. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I hear, I, I, I hear you, though. I feel what you're saying. Yeah, and it's not in a bad way. It's in a great way. The music is is like it, it's so like you know I love it. It's like pop punk grunge and yeah. Um, the lyrics are like really confessional and like, um, you know stuff. Uh, people, I think everybody could easily relate to this. I am a man, and I relate to this record super super hard. Um, I liked how tender it was at times. Um, I liked how. At times, it was like talking about, you know, about relationships um, from the female angle that I don't get to hear because maybe that's some, like, I really related to a lot of them more, you know what I mean, mm. than like the male angle a lot of times that I hear all the time. And this record is, that's why it really connected with me, I think. Um, and, you know, it has like, it has great songs on it. it has great songs to connect to emotionally and they're also you know great rockers if you just yeah. kind of want to listen to a rock record that you know yeah so that's why i think it's a really really great rock and roll record that came out this year it's a great guitar record that came out this year um so yeah and it's got great writing on it too so great writing great guitar record rock and roll and baby rock and roll in 2020 that's what i that's why I wanted to throw out on my list. I wanted to throw out rock and roll and guitar bands that I thought were really cool in 2020. Yeah. And Let's do a so wrap yeah, up just to recap. Up. Well, there you have Maybe it. Anybody wants to listen to this last 30 seconds and go download some stuff. So mine, my honorable mentions, Laura Marlin's yeah, Songs Our Daughter, Tim and Powell's The Slow Rush. My number three, Run the Jewels, RTJ4. Number two, Heim, Women in Music Part 3. And number one, Fiona Apple's Fetch the Bolt Cutters. And mine is honorable mention, August Burns Red, the album Guardians. Uh, number three was Tame Impala's The Slow Rush, as Jeff had mentioned earlier. Mac Miller, Circles, and number one, Kroombin, with their 2020 masterpiece, Mordecai. Right on, guy. And Luca, real quick, yours one more time, even though we just went over them. Just rattle them off for us. Yep. My uh, honorable mention was Heinz, The Prettiest Curse, out on Mom and Pop Records. Uh, my number three record was Man Man. Uh, just check it out because the title is really long. It's on Sub Pop Records. Um, my number two was uh, Midnight Manor by The Nude Party. Um, I think that might be self-released, but I'm not too sure. So check that out. Um, and then my number one was Bully Sugar Egg out on some yeah. pop records. And can I also throw out one more honorable mention? Yes. Uh, yes, yes. The Bob Dylan record that came out this year was uh. great. And I listened to it a ton. <laughs> you did listen to it a ton. Yes. You called me and told me about how much you listened to it and how much you enjoyed it. Yes. I contain multitudes. Oh, I love it. Uh, rough and rowdy Ray, uh, rough and rowdy ways. I really connected with this record super hard. I didn't think I was going to like it, and I loved it. Uh, yeah. So honorable mention. Check it out. Right on. In music. Well, at gentlemen, least. what an amazing 2020 it's been. In music, at least, and and uh, and, in a and, terrible and great way. in uh, <laughs> how we said in the last episode. Great is it is in the terrible way. Awesome <laughs> is in the. In, in the way the Huns were awesome. Uh, 
this year I feel like I connected with uh, new music in a way that I had not in a long time. So yeah. I felt like yeah. it was a productive year in some sense. I would say so too. Yeah. And, and uh, in terms of uh, music listening for sure. So, happy uh, well, happy new year's guys. Yep. I just like to apologize apologize for drinking too much coffee in this episode no you are good this <laughs> podcast is brought to you by coffee just in general and <laughs> coffee and yeah just in general nicotine and caffeine really is what brings you this uh this podcast but anyway this is the last podcast of 2020 see guys. you next so year here's to 2020 <laughs> and and hopefully t- <laughs> see you next year and uh don't forget to like and subscribe and then leave and leave reviews. Uh, find us at Get in the Garage, Instagram, all that May good stuff. So, well, Happy New Year, everybody. Happy God. New Year. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, all right. Oh, God. Oh, God. Oh, God. Oh, God.